This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Now and Not Yet. Pressing in when you're waiting, wanting, and restless for more. Written and narrated by best-selling author Ruth Cho Simons and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. And now, Christ and Pop Culture presents Persuasion with Aaron Straza and Hannah Anderson. Everyone. Thanks for joining the conversation today. I'm Erin Straza, and with me is Hannah Anderson. We're your hosts for Persuasion, the place where fine ladies, rational minds, and the best kind of company gather to discuss all sorts of ideas and issues. Well, here we are. We're at the end of our series called The Creative Process. In every episode of the series, we have been processing a different aspect of the creative life and creative work in light of the digital era. Hannah, we have talked productivity, authenticity, we've talked rejection, we've talked about so many things in the series. And here we are at the end. Here we are at the finale. Can you believe it? Well, I can only because I feel like I can't do another episode because I've got to process what we've been processing. (laughs) So much information in my brain. (laughs) Every episode brought up questions that I have yet to find answers to. I I don't know if there are answers. I don't know if this is a conversation that ever resolves itself or if we're constantly just reframing the conversation. But I do think that I've got a lot in my head that I need to think through and start to work out and practice in my work. Likewise, I feel the same way. And I I agree. I don't know if there are answers, but there is something about the discussion that is so helpful to me. And I feel like it's the... um, It's more like a slow dawning rather than just a flipping on of a switch in terms of understanding and enlightenment. Every time I have conversations like this, I feel like it pushes me forward in ways that maybe I can't quite discern, but I know there has been growth and I know that something is changing. But I need time to sort through it all because there were just so many good conversations and so many things that... I felt like, oh, my goodness, I've got to deal with that. I got to deal with that. Like at every turn, there was something that I felt like I should apply. You know, Erin, I think growth is exactly the right word to describe what this conversation has done for me. And I think it also gives us a sense that it doesn't have to resolve. Like Mm -hmm. you may not be able to get answers or even when you get them, those answers may only work for a certain season or a certain um, space in mm-hmm. your creative life, because you may achieve certain answers to questions you're wrestling with, but then the context around you could change. So you have different pressures on your time or different responsibilities, or you even could find that you're really successful. And suddenly <laughs> when you enter a new phase of your creative life, um, all of the dynamics shift again because of your quote unquote success. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking of this, particularly this last week when news broke about Taylor Swift. Did you hear this? I did so, see it on Twitter. Right. There's a hashtag going. 
Right. So Taylor Swift, obviously one of the most successful mu- musicians of the last decade, someone that is a household name in Western culture, um, is wrestling with the creative process and the creative life in the digital age. In particular, she is struggling to have control over her own work. Like songs she's written, her label is telling her that she can't perform in certain spaces. So I saw that and I took a little bit of comfort in knowing that even if you're the most successful person and you would think Taylor Swift should not have any restrictions or limits Mm -hmm. on her creative Mm -hmm. process, right? If there's anyone who is just free to enter the studio and create however she wants, um, she would be that person. Right. But here she is very publicly struggling with being an artist in the digital age and the kinds of restrictions that are being forced on her, perhaps unethically. Um, and she's having to deal, right? It's not like she could have planned for this or thought, oh, at some point, my own label is going to say you cannot perform your own songs. Who would come up with that scenario? Nobody. So these these are good examples. And it is slightly comforting, although I do feel bad for her. But it is comforting to know, like, there is no way to get away from the the tensions, the struggles. Really, it's just life. But for the creative person, we will always have something that will cause us to have to shift, to turn, to make adjustments. And I think that's what this series has been bringing back to mind is that I can't just presume that it's going to be all easy sailing, that I will just be able to float right along in my creative life and do whatever I want to do. That That's not reality. And that's not the case. It's comforting in that because I experience it, I get frustrated because this has been the struggle with my own creative process, and I feel like something is wrong with me. So to know that other people struggle and that it is a struggle, it's like, okay, well, this is just what this is. Um, Instead of berating myself, I need to come to grips with, yep, this is part of it and, and not a sign that I'm doing something wrong. Right. And I think that what you just said, this is part of it. The struggle Mm -hmm. is part of the process um, is so important for us to remember, especially in the digital age that is so clean, right? Mm, Yeah. The image crafting or the way we perceive what it means to be a creative person or or an artist or a musician or a writer or working for yourself, pursuing your passion, whatever your dream is, um, when you see it portrayed online, what you see a lot of is the person who's quote unquote successful. Mm -hmm. And you get this impression that they have overcome the hurdles. And in overcoming the hurdles, they earn their success and they no longer have those hurdles, right? And so you see the person who has half a million followers on their Instagram account, or you see the person who is getting called to be in very public spaces or speak about things, or you see the person that's turning out content and you think they have arrived. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the essential things that you have to grapple with is there's no arriving. There's no one who is avoiding 
life and all its complexities. There's no one who has like some sort of super, superhuman ability to jump over all these difficulties. And I do think that's one of the inherent troubles with the digital age is the assumption that what you're seeing there is all there is. And I think that maybe even for us as creators, as makers, as artists, artists, we need to remember that our job is to see beyond what is right here in front of us is and to look past that to look deeper. And the digital age is presenting us with a picture that I'm not saying that picture isn't real, but that's not it. There's more. And so even for us as creators, we can't just take that first thing as as it, as the only thing. And we need to dig deeper and to know that everybody has these sorts of things going on and there isn't anyone who's avoiding it. Right. So instead of arriving or ridding your process of problems, what we're really hoping to do is to better our ability to respond to the problems when they come so that when you encounter what is natural to life, what is natural to the difficulty of working in a broken world, right? Isn't that what Genesis tells us yeah. that by the sweat of your brow, yeah. you know, you're going to do your work and you're going to only get thistles for it. I mean, that's not just for gardening, right? That right, is a right. metaphor for all of our work that you're going to work really, really hard and still struggle and sometimes feel like you have very little to show for your work. That mm-hmm. is what it means to work in the brokenness. And yet what we're hoping for is to flourish and grow in our ability to face the brokenness mm-hmm. so that we have better categories. So we have better ways of thinking about our problems that we might be better people mm-hmm. in our process and wiser yeah. in our ability to face the problems that come up in our work. And I do feel like this series has done that for me. I feel like it's given me the right questions. Mm-hmm. It's helped me shape my thinking in terms of what I should be concerned with, what are the end goals, and what are the ways I should move through the tensions, rather than just saying, here's an easy answer for the tension. Mm -hmm. One of the ways that this series has really clarified some things for me is coming to grips with where I am instead of where I want to be. Um, I think I have this picture of what I wish my life would be looking like in terms of my creative work and wishing I would just somehow speed past where I am to get to that point and realizing that where I am is is okay. Um, and with all this, what I'm saying is that I I, because we've been talking about all these creative things, it has stirred up a lot of um, reminiscing for me for a different season when I was writing little snippets just for the joy of it. And I was, um, I hadn't written my book yet and I hadn't really done a whole lot online. And so I was just in my little writing cave doing my thing and thoroughly enjoying it looking forward to a day when maybe I could do more with my work. But I remember there was this um, little bit of kind of like joy, just in the creating just innocence. Yes. And I remember that. And I feel like, oh, I'm not there. And so then I feel 
bad. Like, oh, I wish I felt that sort of way about my writing. Whereas right now, I don't. But my life has changed so much. And I feel like I it's this um, clarity that I'm trying to take a season of my life and apply it to today when that's not where I am. And so I feel like this whole conversation has helped me to think through like, oh, that's okay that that's where I was then, but that's not where I am now. So I need to start here, you know, X marks the spot, (laughs) and then move forward in it and realize that I have completely different variables in my life compared to where I was even 10 years ago. So um, it's been a good reality check, which is a kind of a funny thing to get out of a series on creativity and the creative process is to have the reality check. But that's really what I have. And it's been helpful to me. Yeah. And I what I hear you describing is basically the maturation of your process. And mm-hmm. the the I think maybe our work and our vocational lives go through a similar process that we do physically, where there is this kind of innocence and um, exuberance and even a childlikeness when you're entering into the work at the beginning and you don't know some of the hurdles that are going to come and you don't know the um, realities, but mm-hmm. you don't need to because right. if you did, you wouldn't continue. Yeah. So you slowly grow into greater responsibility within your work, greater um, seriousness about your work. And with that comes the loss maybe of that innocence, mm-hmm. which isn't a problem, but it does mean that you have to maybe grow up a little bit and take responsibility for what your work is. And I think that is something that really hit home to me through this process Um, to give your work the credibility it deserves, but Mm -hmm. also to take responsibility for it Mm -hmm. so that there is a stewardship. It it is not just about your desire to express yourself, right? Mm, Right. right, right. Maybe when you're (laughs) younger or you're earlier in your staging, that might be a a driver, right? Just that kind of enthusiasm and the fun of it. But as it grows and you are serving people and more people are um, partnering with you, you also grow in your stewardship of what you've been given. And that is everything from what Michelle um, Radford said about making sure you create space for it, Mm -hmm. that you say, this is an important, serious thing that I'm called to. And I have to say no to other things in order to create the margin for this thing. Mm -hmm. Um, That really hit home to me. I think as well, the kind of responsibility to um, speak about it, to tell other people about it. When we talked with Eric uh, Loxmo about the partnership that we have to have with communities, I was really struck by the artists or the creators need to communicate mm-hmm. what they're doing, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I think that can be hard because it feels oh, yeah. kind of self-serving sometimes, but that you have a stewardship of the work you've been called to. That stewardship aspect is huge because creative work is 
quite often something that you do on your own. And the stewarding of it requires you to um, be focused. It requires you to be responsible for it. It often requires you to drive it. But I loved in all of our conversations, I felt less and less alone in it because we were talking about it. And as Eric had mentioned, this whole idea that the church and your community should be rallying around you. I I looked at that from two angles. I would love for the body to rally around me, but then it's like, oh, well, who am I rallying around? And so I love that sense of community because that's going to help me be a better steward of the things that I'm working on. And then I also have been more alert, I think, to, well, what are my friends putting their hands to? And and how can I help them be good stewards of the gifts that God has given them? So stewardship is huge in this, and I would not have thought of that before. Well, all of this is reminding me of a book I just started reading. It's called Daily Rituals by Mason Curry. And he's he's depicting all these different um, artists and, and their work and what they do in their daily lives. And it looks so different from person to person. Some people sleep in chunks, and then they work in chunks. Some people um, don't work for weeks and then work nonstop for weeks on end. And what I appreciate about that is there's no one right way to do it. But in looking at how people go about the creative life, I feel encouraged that it can be done and it's going to look different for you based on your responsibilities and your season, like what we've been talking about. And there are so many things around that where there's flexibility and it's more about the pursuit of the creative life. Right. And I think that really testifies to the fact that it is a life that is given to you in your life, not a life to be achieved. Mm -hmm. So our first episode we called the creative life and we talked about this whole venture right of doing work in the digital age and we talked about the flaw of saying what i see online of the creator or the artist of the writer that's what i'm trying to attain right that's what the creative life looks like and so i'm going to adapt my life to make it that and i think coming through all of these conversations what we're discovering is that no the life you've been given includes the vocation to create in a specific mm. way that you've been tasked mm-hmm. with and growing to maturity does not mean just adopting the lifestyle of someone else. Yeah. Yeah. It means incorporating your creative vocational call into every other call and every other thing that you've been called to so that you are pursuing your particular creative mm-hmm. life. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, We believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So, whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, 
health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, Bow offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. This has been good for me because my my writing is infused in my work, my professional work, but it's a different slant. So so it is still creative writing, but it's primarily for nonprofits. And I do have joy in creating that. But I think over the years, I've compartmentalized it. And I felt like, well, that's my work writing. And that's very different than my personal creative writing. And that's where I have felt a lot of tensions in this season is the sense of, well, I, I want to create from whatever creative project I would like to work on, but I'm creating all the time. And I I feel tapped and drained because I've spent my creative juices on my professional work. And what this series has done is it has, in some ways, helped me to appreciate my creative work, meaning my professional work. And instead of downplaying that, it's making me realize, but that is part of my calling. And that is part of my life. And I don't need to downplay that and elevate my own personal writing as if that's the greater thing. It's it's like that's the yeah, true work. Yeah, yeah. So I feel in some ways like, oh, I need to grapple again with this is the season I'm in. I have really great work with great clients who I love and I love their mission, the different missions that they're on, and I get to be part of it. And I want to let that um, inspire me and fuel me rather than it feel like, oh, no, I have to do this work. And that means I can't be writing on whatever writing project I would like to do next. Right. So there's this paradox where you do have to create space Mm -hmm. for specific work. You have to know your limits and understand that you exist in time and you have certain amount of resources. And so you do have to give attention to very specific projects and very specific work. But at the same time, you cannot begin to think that your life is fragmented as if you only exist as a creative being when you're in the studio or when you're in front of the keyboard. (laughs) And I was recently talking to a group of writers and they were asking about my process and how I got into writing. And one of the things I shared with them is that I didn't start writing seriously or even pursuing writing until I was 30. Mm -hmm. And the last 10 years have been given to that work. But the three decades before that were part of the work. Yes. And that Mm -hmm. all the things that are happening to me outside of the actual work is forming and creating in me the capacity to see the world a certain Mm -hmm. way. Um, It's shaping my desires. It's shaping my interests. It's it's giving me what I need to then enter into the studio or to sit down at my desk and do the work that I need to do. So while we do create space for our work, we also are holistic beings. And I think that, if anything, is what we need to take away from this series, that the creative life is a holistic life. Yeah. That you are a whole person doing this work, and that means that everything about your vocational life 
your calls in different directions are coming into this process, both to challenge it, but also to shape it and help you become who you're supposed to be in Mm -hmm. it. And I think it was the conversation um, with Mike Cosper that really brought that to the front for me, how your emotional and spiritual life is part of your ability to be productive, yeah, right? Yep. So your work is not just you putting out a certain amount of time and creativity. It is also this interplay where it is returning to you and asking questions of you and challenging you holistically so that it is not just the growth and the success of your career, it is also the growth of your own soul and your own personhood. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite concepts from Lucy Shaw, she wrote a book that I read early on in my creative pursuits called Breath for the Bones, which I loved this book so much. But she talks about this concept of calling attention or paying attention and this whole idea of the the artistic life is putting a laser focus on all aspects of life. And so it's looking at all these different aspects of living, whether it is how is your internal state, what's going on in the world, what's going on in your family, what's going on in your work, like looking at all the different aspects and then seeing it in a fresh way, in a way that is um, that is for the Christian gospel focused and looking through it in that redemptive hope filled lens and seeing things for what they are and, and then calling other people to pay attention to it as well. And in that we are building into the cultural narrative of society, pointing people back to the goodness of God. And so I love that aspect that we've talked about in these episodes because each one of them hit on things that I just, I think, have either put to the side or I just haven't thought about in a while. And I needed this refresher. I feel like it's been kind of like Creativity 101 for me. So I'm I'm so thrilled with the series and, and I've gotten so much out of it. I've, I'm so glad that we were able to do it. Yeah. And I think, again, saying that it's an ongoing conversation for some people may feel like that's not productive mm-hmm. or you're, you're just going to get caught in the spiral of talking and being a talking head yeah. about creativity. <laughs> and, and I guess for me, what the, the knowledge that's an ongoing conversation, what it does for me is it's, it, it gives me the encouragement that, well, you don't have to get to answers necessarily right now, mm-hmm. but it is a conversation in a certain trajectory, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So like, it's a conversation towards goodness. And as you go along the conversation, there will be growth. Mm-hmm. There will be um, noticeable and tangible applications. And just saying that you don't necessarily end the conversation doesn't mean that the conversation isn't taking you to a better yes. place in your yeah. work. It's, it is moving somewhere. It, it's not spinning. It is moving, although sometimes it may feel like spinning, right. but it is moving <laughs> forward in, in that way. And I, I think that this series and our conversation, I feel like it, um, is unfolding at a really crucial time for even 
our creative work here, Hannah, here on Persuasion. We've been doing this four years now, I think. Almost five. I think coming up on five, five years. And so we have changed a lot. And even the way we've gone about producing the show, thinking about the show, creating the show, all of that has changed and evolved too. So this this constant growth and move forward has really been mirrored even here on Persuasion. It's the same sort of thing that that we're seeing in these conversations. Right. And I and I think as well, saying the conversation continues doesn't mean we don't stop and change some of our practices. Yeah. Yep. Right. There are things through this conversation that I have had to say, oh, okay, well, I need to not book so many different yeah. projects or not book so many different speaking engagements because I need to create space yep. for the acts of writing mm-hmm. to actually have time where I can sit down and think and, and create books. And so there are very, very tangible questions and, and practical questions that you have to resolve within your own calling. And I think even with persuasion, um, we've, I think, knowing the conversations we've had behind the <laughs> scenes that you and mm-hmm. I have just kind of wanted to kick those practical questions down the road mm-hmm. some because we so enjoy the process of creating the conversation yeah. and we so enjoy just doing it that sometimes we've kind of ridden that wave, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. of saying we don't have to be practical right. um, about this <laughs> because, quite frankly, we have a really good support system. Mm-hmm both with Christ and Pop Culture Podcast Network, with the listeners. And I think, though, we're reaching a point where we've had to make some um, grown-up decisions mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> about the podcast and how we need to move forward. And for listeners, we want to bring you in on this because this is happening in real time. It's developing. You're seeing us reveal our processing mm-hmm of an artifact that we make. And one of the things that you may or may not know um, is that Aaron and I don't financially benefit from this conversation in any way. Um, so we always invite you to be members of Christ and Pop Culture Members Forum for just $5 a month. And those resources have gone to the support of um the editing, the, the, the technical I don't components, know these words. the technical, yes. <laughs> obviously I kick the practical questions Producing down the road. Producing a podcast has costs. <laughs> right. And so, and also the upkeep of yep. Christ and Pop Culture uh, website, all the internal mechanisms, all of that. Um, and so we've had to ask ourselves over the years, Aaron, like, how do we continue to do a creative work that we love? Right. That isn't necessarily resourced, right? right? And we've talked about that. I, I, we've seen lots of different shows um, do different types of funding platforms, and we've talked about that. Um, we haven't pursued that to date, mainly because um, those are things that get over my head kind of quickly, and we haven't made decisions on them. But the good news is, is that we've had um, the chance to partner with another platform who is doing some of that background work for us, the technical side that is over our heads. And so you will start to hear 
here on Persuasions, a little bit different layout of our programming because of this new partnership. And we are able to come alongside with Christianity Today and their um, podcast network. And what they are doing is they are able to secure uh, support advertisements for our show along with their other shows. And so that will allow us to have a, a broader reach, first of all, which we are excited about because we would love to have more people in on these conversations. But it will also allow us to be um, at least have the p- potential to receive a little bit of compensation for our time in producing these series and these conversations. So that's what's coming up. You're going to start to hear a little bit different layouts with these conversations, but they will still be the highest quality and it'll still be Hannah, you and me talking about things. Well, and yeah, and I want to, you know, kind of be really open with listeners too that I hear the word like advertising mm-hmm. and I resist yeah. it. And we talked for years about this possibility and and I'm the idealist, right? I'm the one that says I don't want to turn this into a product of the marketplace, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> because that's who I am. I want to give everything away for free. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that shifted in my thinking um, was the conversations that we've been having about highlighting and spotlighting other people's creative work, mm-hmm. right? And when you think of marketing or advertisement as a bait and switch um, or something that lacks ethics and they're just trying to get consumers' monies. Mm -hmm. I think you can have that resistance that I had to it. But one of the things that shifted for me in talking specifically with Eric, um, he talks about having a theology of marketing. Mm -hmm. And so that there is this responsibility and this possibility of communicating other people's work um, through avenues, you know, like shared avenues of marketing or advertising. And, um, I think that helped me think differently about the possibility of bringing in, um, sponsors or highlighting other people's work within the framework of persuasion. Mm-hmm. And see, I grew up on public television. Right. So this may be where my resistance is actually coming from. I always thought it was like godliness, but it might just be that I was accustomed to watching shows with no advertising in it. Right. And that was my norm. And then when those ads break through, you're like, what is this madness? That's right. This is the fragmentation of the modern West. That's terrible. No. So I really do have this rhythm of I don't want to see or hear. Anybody trying to tell me about other things when I'm watching a certain show. But, but I always loved, right? This Sesame Street has been brought to you today. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I yeah. love that too. And, <laughs> yeah. and knowing that there is only so much that can be done um, just on your own without support. I mean, we can only do so much. And, and I think that 
the ability to have um, additional support, Christ and Pop Culture Podcast Network, the Christianity Today Podcast Network, that's such a help to us. And so I think that's um, been my my feeling as we move forward in, in seeing how this partnership um, rolls out and how the the insertion of these um, additional creators come and tell us about their wares. <laughs> um, I, I'm curious about it, but I, it makes me feel a little bit like, okay, um, I want to see where this goes. And I appreciate that our conversations can get greater support and greater listenership. And I'm excited for that. And it will be new. It'll be different, but I think it's going to be good. And I'm looking forward to um, how much we can continue conversations and, and bring more people into them. Absolutely. And I, and I do feel like this whole last, what, eight weeks or so of having this extended conversation about the tensions um, inherent in creating in the digital age have really helped me think through this next step for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope as well that for listeners that, that you'll know there's a process behind yeah, it. Yeah. Right. That there is a reason to move in this direction well, I think we're at a good point to wrap up for this episode and for the series. Um, I, I've so enjoyed it. And really, all of you out there, I have so appreciated your feedback. We have had really good online um, chatter about these conversations and the guests. And so um, if you haven't had a chance to listen to all those op- all other episodes, be sure to listen through. We'd love to hear what you think. And we'd love for you to join in the conversation. Um And really, that's our question for today, right, Hannah, is um, you wanted to hear how everyone's been processing. Right. So this has been a a long conversation that we've been involved in. We've had different points of reflection along the way. But I think now um, you've had a chance to hear how Aaron and I have processed the information and to hear practical steps that we've taken because of it. So we want to know what practical steps are you going to take in your creative life based on the conversations we've had over the last few weeks? Of course, you can join us on Twitter to have those conversations. Let us know what you're changing, what thoughts have been sparked by this conversation. We're at Persuasion CAPC. And if you're a member of the members forum, jump in there and let us know what you're thinking. We want to give a shout out to Jonathan Clausen. He produces Persuasion and all the other shows in our network. We appreciate him for all he does and all his work. And we do appreciate all of you for listening to Persuasion. And we will catch you next time. You have been listening to Persuasion with Aaron Straza and Hannah Anderson, an official production of the Christ and Pop Culture Podcast Network. Please rate and review the show in iTunes and check out our other shows at ChristandPopCulture.com slash network. Theme music by Maiden Name. This episode was brought to you in part by the Better Samaritan Podcast, where Jamie Ayton and Kent Annan discuss everything from simple acts of kindness to complex humanitarian challenges with their guests. Want to learn how to faithfully do good better? Find insights at The Better Samaritan.